Welcome. Uh, it is good to see all of you, and it's good to be with you. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the time that you've given us to gather together to look into your word. And I pray that you would help me as I uh, bring forth what's, what's in these chapters, in this chapter, that we might learn something uh, in, in how to live our lives here in this world. Help us to understand your word and, and to understand it properly. Uh, guide us and give us your wisdom and strength. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, we are in chapter 25 in Ezekiel. So if you'll turn there, we're going to be there. You know, up, and, up until now, we've kind of been following the life of Ezekiel as he's been given revelations by God. And, and up until now, uh, in, in Ezekiel's circumstances, he was taken captive by the Babylonians during the second invasion. Uh, and about five years into that is when he started his ministry. He was called by God in his 30th year. Ezekiel was trained as a priest, but in, in God chose him for this role of prophet to the Israelites, to Israel in exile. So he is in Babylon in Babylonian captivity near the river Kibar, south of Babylon proper, uh, but bringing a message to the Jews, uh, those in exile with him. And, and it has been, all of the revelations up to this point have been about Israel. You know, how Israel is going to be punished for her centuries of, of disobedience to God and not following God's law. So uh, we are here in chapter 20, 25 now. Um, well, and, and last week in, in chapter 24, in verse 2, it says, Son of man, write the name of this day. This very day the king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem. So the siege of Jerusalem has begun. And it's going to be a three-year pro process and during that time, uh, God is closing Ezekiel's mouth against, against the Jews, against Israel. So now we begin this new section in the book uh, that I've titled Judgment on the Nations. It's not an original title. <laughs> That's really everything that, that chapters 25 through 32 talk about. Uh, and we're going to go over those. Why is... You know why is God judging these nations? What what is happening? So as we as we go through, uh, we've looked at at this timeline that that kind of gives us a broad picture of, of what's happening, and we are getting near to and near to that third siege. As I mentioned in our, in my timeline from last week, kind of kind of identifies us. We are at that point where the siege has begun. This three year siege, which culminates in the total destruction of Jerusalem. So, is Ezekiel is kind of revealing to the, the exiles that he's with what's happening in Jerusalem. He's, he's talked about that a little bit, what would be going to happen. And now as the city falls... Um, or, or as as Babylon is laying siege to the city, uh, what we see happening around is is that a lot of Israel's enemies in the nations around him kind of start celebrating, and that's kind of where these prophecies are good. What these prophecies are going to address, you know, there's been a lot of, or there was some feelings in the people of Jerusalem in the. Jews, you know, why is God punishing us? We're his chosen people. He won't punish us and destroy us. We've talked about this before. You know, we are God's chosen people and we'll be protected by God, not punished by God. But we're about to see that that, that punishment is coming, as Ezekiel predicted, and it's coming for sure. So, you know, as we as we approach the end of chapter 24, there's, there's some wonder there. Uh, you know, what is what is really happening? Uh, the prophet has talked about Israel a lot 
as being subject to punishment at the hands of an angry God, if you will. Uh, but also there's been times in here where he's alluded to Israel's coming glory. So, you know, the question in, in could be asked, you know, what's happening here? Is it destruction or is it glory? And the answer is both. It's going to be devastation and then glory. Um, so th- this battle for Jerusalem is going to last three years. The siege that, that Babylon has laid against Jerusalem would last for that time. Um, and, and in this time, the prophet changes his focus from the Jews to the enemies of Jerusalem, those people who are mocking the, the destruction that's coming upon Israel, that are laughing and gloating and bragging about all of the things that are happening to Israel. You see this? You know, this is what happens when you follow this God. God is not protecting them. God is punishing them. So all of this is happening in the nations around. And Ezekiel is going to address these as, as we go through these next several chapters. It's kind of a bridge between the messages of judgment that we've seen up to this point and the visions of Israel's glory that I think we all associate with the book of Ezekiel. We've kind of been in that part of Ezekiel that a lot of people, when they're preaching through the book, they, they kind of gloss over. And you know, all that's in the past. We don't need to worry about that. We don't need to study that. But as we've seen, there are a lot of applications in what happened to Israel for us to learn from and how to live our lives in this world. So this, this time between Israel's, during Israel's destruction, this three-year period, uh, Ezekiel's fully, uh, is going to be reassuring the exiles that as God promised so many times through here, uh, he will restore them in the future but he also wanted to reassure them that Israel's enemies would not go unpunished. Uh, Those around him that are taking part in the destruction of Israel would see judgment themselves. Um, So as the Lord uh, here is kind of working to fulfill the covenant that he made with Abraham, uh, if we look in, in, or, or, you know, The Lord promised Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. It says in that that verse, I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all of the families of the earth will be blessed. So God made this promise to to Abraham, and he's going to be fulfilling it in, in what we're going to be seeing here. You know, the law itself, the law that that God gave to Moses itself, also promises that God would bring Israel out of exile and into glory. Uh, And and that he would also move against God's enemies. If we look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, verses 4 through 8, and I'm going to turn there because I want to, I'm going to start reading in verse 1 actually. So it shall be written when all of these things have come upon you. Uh, let me put this in context a little bit here in Deuteronomy. We've, Deuteronomy here is, is kind of at the end of the section of the, of the book of Deuteronomy that talks about the curses for dis, or the, the penalties for disobedience. Uh, that, this is, that these things would happen to you if you disobey the law. So we're kind of at the end of that section. So here in verse 30, it says, So it shall be written when all of these things have come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all, the na- in all nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and soul, according to all that I commanded you today, you and your sons. Then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are at the end of the earth, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you back. 
the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it, and he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecute you. And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments, which I commanded you today. So this is the law kind of summarizing a little bit what what we're seeing happen in the life of, of Jerusalem and Israel. She is being punished because she disobeyed God's commandments. And, and disobeyed God law, God's law, but she will be restored. And, you know, we, we need to understand that God has a plan for Israel, and, and this plan for Israel is being carried out, and it's being carried out in a way that will bring glory to God. So let's look at this a little bit. What is God's plan for Israel? Um, there's in this book of Ezekiel, the Lord kind of connects three major plans uh, that He has for Israel, and the first is that the the nation of Israel. Who? How do I get it to change? There we go. The nation will be regathered into her land, as we read in the in Deuteronomy. Uh, God will bring her back. You know, she will be dispersed, and and. And then, and then he will regather her again into her land. Secondly, the nation of Israel will have hearts in perfect obedience. You remember in our study through Revelation and in, in our study of the kingdom, we talked a lot about what it was going to take for Jesus to come back. And what that is, is that Israel would have a heart for the Lord and that he would call upon the name of the Lord. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and that Israel would come to repentance and come to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and then Christ would return. Uh, so her heart would be fully in, in conformance with what, what God desires. Uh, you know, a heart completely... Uh, in, in complete obedience to God. And third, the nation would live in peace and harmony. Um, we know that, that Israel has regathered as a nation. Um, and we, we need to kind of keep separated this, this political nation that, that is there and, and the nation of, of Jews, which still exists in, in all parts of the world, you know, you're a Jew if, if you're a, a physical descendant of Abraham uh, and Isaac. And, you know, so these, these things are set up. God knows where all the people of Israel are. And there is still uh, a big influx of people moving from the, where they're scattered around the world into the nation of Israel. So that, that continues since, since Israel's formation in 1948. So all of these things are, are kind of happening that we're seeing. Um, but I don't think we can say she's living in peace and harmony with her neighbors. And, and the peace and harmony that, that she will live in, in that end times, that millennial kingdom that we've talked about, uh, when that comes about, she'll be able to live in peace and harmony completely because all of her enemies will be vanquished. Uh, all of her enemies will be vanquished. And all of these three things are going to happen at a specific point at t in time. Uh, and it's, it's a point in time in the future. It has not yet occurred. You know, following the exile in Babylon, Israel returned to Jerusalem, rebuilt the temple, um, and lived there for several hundred years before uh, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple again in AD 70. So all of these things haven't happened, uh, haven't been 
you know, these, these three key things here have not been in existence at one time yet. That is still to come. And we've, you've heard many, many messages <laughs> in this room about that kingdom that's coming, uh, surely is coming. Uh, the book of Revelation study that we just completed a while ago, uh, you know, again, reiterated all of these things that have yet to come, all of these prophecies that have yet to be fulfilled. So who are Israel's enemies that need to be vanquished? Uh, the Bible kind of speaks about a, li a list of 11 uh, enemies that, that we see repeated. Sometimes there's different names for them. Uh, and these 11 enemies are, see if I can do this right, uh, Ammon, Moab, Edom, Philistia, Tyre, Sidon, Egypt, Damascus, Babylonia, Ethiopia, and Assyria. Now these 11 nations or people groups, some of these are city-states, some of them are, are people groups, some of them are territories, uh, will play out uh, in, in the end times prophecies as well as, as playing out in the, the period of time that we're studying in Ezekiel's time. Now Ezekiel doesn't address all 11 of these. Uh, in fact, there's one significant nation missing from Ezekiel's curses on the nations, the judgments on the nations that Ezekiel talks about, because he does not bring judgment on Babylonia. <laughs> and, and we know from our knowledge and, and study of, of this period, the Old Testament history, that Babylon does get destroyed by the Assyrians. Uh, so, so that's going to happen, but, but Ezekiel doesn't speak of it. And I kind of wondered why, and I, and I read a little bit about, about this and, and why it might not have been. And, you know, one conclusion that we can perhaps speculate, and it is speculation because we don't know why. Well, the first of all, he didn't speak of it because God didn't tell him to speak of it. But maybe God was protecting his people there. If you're a people in exile in Babylon, the, the most powerful nation in this part of the world at this time, and you start saying bad things about it, uh, maybe that's not going to be so good for your people. So maybe that's why God was, was kind of protecting his people here a little bit. Again, that speculation. It's a nice rabbit trail to go down, but we'll get back. So where are these enemies? Uh, Jeremiah also only spoke about seven of Israel's enemies in his prophecies concerning judgment on the nations. And, and we're going to see some parallels in, in, as we go through here. I found this map. It's not a great map, and, and it's fuzzy on the screen. And I apologize that it's not a very large file. Uh, but here, uh, as, as we look at Ezekiel 25, and, and I'm going to turn back there, and I'd like you guys as well, because that's where we're going to start out. In, 20, in chapter 25, uh, we we see judgment on the first four nations, and that's Ammon, Moab, Edom, and Philistia. And we see here, is that coming there? Yay! Uh, the, the kingdom of Ammon is, is here, and I'm not going to look at that because that makes it hard to control. Um, so this is the first nation that, that Ezekiel speaks about. You know, and then... Edom, or Moab is here, uh, Edom is here, and Philistia is this red area here. So the other three nations, uh, Tyre, Sidon, and Egypt, uh, get a little bit more text. Tyre, for instance, gets two chapters, two or three chapters. Uh, so we got a lot, of, lot to talk about with Tyre, Sidon, and Egypt, and we're going to put that off for another day. So we're just going to concentrate on the first four that are here in chapter 25. So turning there, uh, each of the four nations that receive judgment here kind of receive, uh, you know, we, we kind of see a consistent pattern in, in what Ezekiel is, is relating that God 
revealed to him. Each one has kind of an introduction, uh, an indictment, uh, and a declaration of punishment, and then also the results of the punishment. So we're going to look at these four things with each one. And as I mentioned, the list begins with Ammon. So if we turn to Ezekiel 25, uh, verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, uh, here this phrase just reiterates that what Ezekiel is writing down here is from God. It's not something he's making up. It's not something he's taking credit for. This is a message from God. Set your face, son of man, referring to Ezekiel, set your face toward the sons of Ammon and prophesy against them. And say to the sons of Ammon, hear the word of the Lord. So, you know, again, this is a judgment against Ammon, but this isn't the first time we've heard about this nation uh, in our study. Back in chapter 21 of Ezekiel, he gave an earlier judgment. And I'm just going to go back there for a minute. Uh, In Ezekiel 21, verses 18 uh, through 21, I'm I'm going to read it. Uh, Ezekiel says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, As for you, son of man, make two ways for the sword of the king of Babylon to come. You remember we were talking about this vision of the polished and sharpened sword, and and he was given two paths to take, Uh, and that's where we're at here. Both of them will come out of one land, uh, Babylon, and make a signpost and make it at the head of the way to the city. You shall mark a way for the sword to come to Rabbah, of the sons of Ammon, and to, Jor- and to Judah, into fortified Jerusalem. So Babylon had a choice to make. Was she going to go to uh, Ammon, or was, she go- was Babylon going to go and attack Jerusalem? And God led them to attack Jerusalem at that time. But as we mentioned then, and I'll mention it now, Ammon's not off the hook because God took the... Uh, Babylonians to Jerusalem. So, you know, there's we we saw this judgment against Ammon hinted at in this earlier chapter. Uh, going back to chapter 25, the Lord says they said aha against the sanctuary of God. So, what this the picture this is painting is is that this nation. Uh, Was, was anticipating benefiting from Israel's loss, the destruction of the temple, the, the plunder that they could get. They were kind of immediately adjacent to the, to the territory of Jerusalem, and they thought that they would benefit. Uh, and they also had a desire uh, to, to profit from this misery that had befallen Jerusalem. And... And they were in good with the Babylonians uh, to a certain extent. And they thought that they would be overlooked since since Babylon decided to concentrate on Jerusalem. She wasn't going to, to, to hassle the Ammonites. But we see here that that's not the case. Uh, God says in this passage that the nation will be un, uh, over overrun by the sons of the east and this is a reference to the babylonians and they did actually uh destroy the uh destroy this nation during nebuchadnezzar's reign we historically we know that through evidence and it's also discussed in scripture as well you know the jordanians uh I'm sorry, I'm ahead of myself. The the Lord says that this nation is going to be overrun by the sons of the east, referring to the Babylons. And the Babylonians did come in and destroy it. And in the passage here, God says in verse 5, I will make Rabbah a pasture for camels, and the sons of Ammon a resting place for flocks. Thus you will know that I am the Lord. So he's saying that he's going to destroy it completely and it would become a grazing land. Uh, uh, Nomads, uh, Bedouins would come and settle, not settle, (laughs) would come and wander through their areas. Uh, In fact, uh, 
this this area is is in an area that that right now is occupied occupied by Jordan. This is the territory of Jordan in, in modern in our our day, and this the the citizens of of Jordan, if you will, are descended from the Bedouins who came and and settled and and wandered in these areas after the destruction of Amman and Rabbah. So, you know, this has come to place. The uh, modern city of, yeah, the capital of Jordan, uh, Amman, is actually built on the same site as Rabbah was. There are some remains, uh, ruins, and I was going to get a picture, and I didn't. I apologize. I'll do better next time. Uh, but there are ruins in the city of Amman and Jordan that are date from later than this period. Some of them are from the Byzantine era, era uh, which is a couple hundred years after the time of Christ. So uh, historically, we can see that this city uh, was occupied and and destroyed and eventually was rebuilt and settled as God said it would be. So in Ezekiel's prediction here, we don't see anything about any restoration. Uh, but we know that that this these peoples will be restored to this area. Uh, not necessarily all of it, because some of these territories, some of these areas are identified in, in the millennial kingdom time as being occupied by Israel, but some of the areas then would be occupied by the descendants of these people. Uh, and, and how do we know? We can't get that restoration from this passage, so we need to go elsewhere. And in Jeremiah's prophecy concerning Ammon, uh, we do see uh, that they will rise again. You know, after the destruction that Ezekiel describes, uh, there there will be a time when the fortunes of the Ammonites will be restored. Here in Jeremiah chapter 49, verses 3 through 6, uh, it it describes... Uh, here in the final verse of that passage, verse 6, but afterwards I will restore the fortunes of the sons of Ammon, declares the Lord. So even though it's not described in, in Ezekiel, we know from other other prophets that there will be a future for the sons of Ammon. And also in Jeremiah 46, there's a similar thing. The Lord of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says, Behold, I am going to punish Ammon of Thebes and Pharaoh and Egypt, along with her gods and her kings, even Pharaoh and those who trust in him. I shall give them over to the power of those who are seeking their lives, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of his officers. Then it says, Afterwards, however, it will be inhabited as in the days of old declares the Lord. And this afterwards is a reference to the end days. So the next enemy is Moab. And going back to our map, we see Moab here in the purple. Um, So in Ezekiel 25, verses 8 through 11, uh, discusses Moab. The Moabites lived directly east of Israel on the other side of the Jordan uh, in present-day Jordan, and the destinies of, of Ammon and Moab are, are linked in Scripture. And, and you know, do we, do we know who these people came from? Do we know where the Ammonites came from and, and the Moabites? Uh, these are people groups that are descended from Lot, uh, from his incestuous relationship with his daughter-in-law, uh, daughters-in-law, I should say. These two people groups came from that. So um, they are related to the Israelites. Uh, so there, there is, is kind of a, a, a family relationship. And like a lot of family relationships, it wasn't always smooth. <laughs> uh, they opposed Israel, from, or Jerusalem, the Jews, from the very beginning. 
Um, and their offenses in this case was was looking at the the hardships that were falling on on the Jews. Um, um, just just thinking about what's happening to the the nation of Israel, what's what's befalling on them, uh, could teach a lesson to the rest of the world. You know that disobedience to God is is not something to be glossed over, uh, but obedience to God brings brings benefits and 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 blessings. But disobedience uh, brings hardship and death. So when Judah fell, they didn't get the the message that that God was sending, and they they boasted and bragged about what was happening, um, and and didn't see Israel as being special people. So the Moabites here didn't uh, acted just the same way that the Ammonites did, and they bragged and and took pride and joy in Judah's downfall. But you know the. And even the Edomites are, are, are in a similar position. The Edomites, as, as you know, uh, descended from Esau. Uh, so all of these people groups are kind of in, a, in the a family, familiar uh, relationship. So, so as judgment comes on these people, the Lord t- takes away the pride of the Moabites. Uh, if you look through this passage, verses 8 through 11, it talks about taking away her cities. Uh, the cities of, of the territory of Moab were the, the pride of those people. They were very proud of their cities, uh, and they were completely destroyed. You know, these, these cities were, were taken away. And the Lord uses uh, similar words in verse 9. Behold, I am going to deprive the flank of Moab of its cities, of its cities which are on its frontiers, the glory of the land, and then it names three of the cities. And I will give it for a possession, along with the sons of Ammon, to the sons of the east, referring to Babylon, so that the sons of Ammon will not be remembered among the nations. Thus I will execute judgments on Moab, and they will know that I am the Lord. So the purpose, the end purpose of all of this is so that these people would know that God is is God. Um, And Jeremiah also speaks of this nation in the same way. uh, The nation of Moab, as we see here in this passage of, of Jeremiah 48, Woe to you, Moab, the people of Chemosh have perished, for your sons have been taken away captive and your daughters into captivity. In verse 47, yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab in the latter days, declares the Lord. So Moab has a future, uh, and we will see that happen at the end times. Edom is the next territory, and you see it down here south of the the territory of Judah. And the Edomites... One commentator said that the Edomites here have the longest history of any enemy of of Israel, going back all the way to Esau himself, who opposed his brother Jacob. Um, You know, in verse 12, Ezekiel says, they took vengeance, which is a reference to the fighting against Israel. Uh, Edom actually joined Babylon in their siege of Jerusalem. So they they were attacking and taking vengeance for all of their perceived faults over the last hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and, and Israel was down. They didn't try to attack her when she was at her strength. They, the Edomites waited until the Babylonians had her down, and they, and they walked in kicking. <laughs> Sorry, my phone is ringing in my ear. Uh, so Amos, the book of Amos, describes it this way. Sorry, let me get to Amos. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. 
because he has pursued his brother with the sword, while he was stiff, uh, stifled in his, in, while he stifled his compassion, his anger also tore continuously, continually, and he maintained his fury forever. So I will send fire upon Teman, and it will consume the citadels of Boraz. So. The Edomites should have should have been sympathetic to Judah since they had such a strong blood relationship with them through through Isaac, their father, their grandfather. And that made their treachery all all the worse, and their sin of pursuing Judah with the sword was also more grievous than the Ammonites or the Moabites who, who merely stood by and gloated. So their punishment was going to be more severe than theirs. Uh, Going back to Ezekiel, the Lord says he will cut off all living things from this land, both man and beast. And and this is kind of different from what we've seen uh, against the the previous two. In the case of Ammon and Moab, uh, the nations were destroyed, uh, but Bedouins uh, took over the land and, and grazed their camels there and and occupied the space. But in the case of Edom, nothing uh, would inhabit the land again. It would become a complete wasteland. And this judgment against this nation hasn't yet happened. This is still a a future uh, event that's going to occur. So this land will be uninhabited during the time of the, the kingdom. Uh, no man or beast would be there. If we continue and, and look in the, in the book of Jeremiah, it, it addresses what's going to happen to Edom. In Jeremiah 49, verses 17 and 18, it says, Edom will become an object of horror. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss at all its wounds. Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah with its neighbors, says the Lord. No one will live it, nor will any, nor will a son of man reside in it. So, you know, the context here in Jeremiah 49 is speaking of, of the end times, at the end of the age. So this is in reference to the millennial time. And this is a prophecy uh, of the nature of, of what these lands are going to be like during the millennial kingdom. This will be a desolate place, uh, uh, uninhabited. In Israel, uh, if we turn to Isaiah chapter 34, uh, there's some details uh, to explain how this land is going to be judged. Isaiah 34, I'm not in Isaiah, I'm in Deuteronomy. There we go, Isaiah 34. Verses 1 through 4, draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all in it, let the earth and all it contains hear, and the world and all that springs from it. For the Lord's indignation is against all the nations, and his wrath is against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter, so their slain will be thrown out. And their corpses will give off their stench, and the mountains will be drenched with their blood. And all the hosts of heaven will wear away, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine, or as one withers from the fig tree. And in verse 5, For my sword is satiated in heaven. Behold, it shall descend for judgment upon Edom, and upon the people whom I have devoted to destruction. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. And it goes on. And in verses 8 through 10, uh, we read descriptions of what the land will be like in that day, starting in verse 8. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. Its streams, and again talking about that land, its streamed will be turned into pitch, and its loose, loose earth will become uh, into brimes. Sorry, 
Its streams will be turned into pitch, and its loose earth into brimstone, and its land will become burning pitch. It will not be quenched night or day. Its smoke will go up forever from generation to generation. It will be desolate. None will pass through it forever and ever. This is at the end times. It will be made desolate, uninhabitable, uh, forever. No one will ever live there again once, once that occurs. And none passing through it means none can leave. Now there's some, some commentators try and carry this description and, and describe it as where the portal to the, the, the underworld, if you will, is. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to go that far, but you, you can find that if, if you search for this. Um, you know, and that this is where the demons will reside during the millennial kingdom will be here and they will be captive here. That where this passage that says none can pass through it mean none can leave. Uh, so those will be trapped there, uh, perhaps either as a portal to the underworld where they're in, in that lake of fire. Uh, but the description here uh, could could lead one to that conclusion. I, I'm not sure I'm I'm with that. So, where are we at? And I did start late this morning, so I'm going to end early to, to make up for it. And because I went long last week, I'll make up for that a little bit too. Uh, the next area that we have is the area of Philistia, which is on the Mediterranean coast. You see it here in red. Today that's called the Gaza Strip, uh, and it goes north to the port of, of Joppa, or today's city, that's the city of Jaffe. Uh, and the Philistines, uh, who originated in Crete, uh, were known as the Cherith- Cherithites, and they settled along the coast and plains and, and occupied you know, a, se- several city-states along the border there. And they were uh, a very warring people, a military people. Uh, just read the Old Testament and, and who comes against Israel so many times? The Philistines. Uh, and they've been a thorn in the... And, you know, I hate to ask this, but is this territory a thorn in the side of Israel today? Uh, I mean, this is the Gaza Strip today. So, you know, it rains down missiles on Israel almost every day. Uh, you know, these people uh, tormented Saul and they tormented David. Uh, and that that lasted forever. But the people uh, of Philistia... Uh, that's a that's a different story. So, looking at our at our passage, uh, chapter twenty five, verses fifteen through seventeen. Thus says the Lord God, because the Philistines have acted in revenge and have taken vengeance with the, with scorn of soul to destroy with everlasting enmity. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will stretch my hand out against the Philistines and even cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes, and they will know that I am the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon them. You know, so they, the Philistines in this territory, effectively, uh, cut off half of Israel from having access to the seacoast. Uh, so even even today in, in restored, I hate to use that phrase, so I won't, in, in the political Israel that, that is there, you know, if you go west from Jerusalem towards the Mediterranean Sea, you're not going to be able to get there without going through the Gaza Strip, and that's not an, a, a path of access that's available to Israel. They have to go to the north. Uh, in order to get port access, so this this area is is been a thorn in the side of Israel forever, uh, and when when during the time of conquest, when they didn't uh, do what they were commanded by God by getting rid of these people groups that that they were told to clear away, uh, 
they continue to be uh, continued all through the history of the kingdoms time you know the the time of the kings the it, it was a thorn in their side forever uh, but here the lord says that he's going to cut them off that that they will be you know he's going to execute great vengeance on them with wrathful rebukes uh and and he's unlike the the previous areas that we've looked at there is no promise of future restoration for philistia and if you if you think about this people group this people group did cease to exist it no longer exists uh so there's nothing really to be restored to that area of the, of the land so when when god executed judgment on philistia it was complete uh, and there's going to be no restoration. And if you look at the, the, the division of land in the Millennial Kingdom, you can kind of see why, because this area, will, well, not that area, because that area will be completely within Israel's boundaries and will be occupied by, by the nation of Israel, not by Gentile nations. So that's, that's part of it, uh, and, and will be, you know, when we get to the millennial kingdom we'll we'll see that and 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 those people will will no longer be around so you know again why did god bring judgment against these people after each one of these judgments uh, were executed god says and even here in verse 17 it says, they will know that I am the Lord. So the Lord does all these things to demonstrate his power and, and his, his control, uh, his, his ultimate authority. You know, ultimately, you know, what, what happened here to these people will be known throughout all of eternity. And um, his authority will be unquestioned in eternity and, and in the kingdom. Um, both of those who are under judgments and those who receive mercy will see the impact uh, of the Lord's work. Uh, for those who suffered as judgments, uh, they'll have no choice but to acknowledge that he is king, that he is God, and that they are under his wrath. And those who receive grace and forgiveness and mercy from him uh, will see evidence of his, his judgments and in and, and, That'll be reflected in, in the establishment of the, the millennial kingdom and the, the political boundaries, if you will, during that time. Uh, even, uh, even the rising smoke in what is now Edom will remind us of that ultimate judgment. Uh, you know, the, the, if, if, yeah, never mind. So, so what do these judgments teach us, uh, the nations of our world? Uh, especially, especially as it relates to the, to the treatment of the nation of Israel. As we read in Genesis, uh, the Lord is paying attention to how the Gentile nations treat the nation of Israel, you know, keeping the, the political and spiritual I impacts of, of what the nation of Israel is aside, how we treat those people uh, in, in our midst and, and in the land makes a difference to God and, and he will treat the Gentile nations. He will judge the Gentile nations based on how they treat the nation of Israel. So when we see all of these nations falling away from supporting Israel politically and, and everything coming against them, we just have to ask in our minds, is this really, um, you know, what should be our reaction to this? What should we be doing? as a as a people group you know in in light of god's words to abraham that that i read in genesis um you know it, it would make sense to to understand that this principle not only applied in ezekiel's day but applies today as well and i believe that in our study through you know in in the study of of the tribulation times we see that judgment is eventually going to come against those people 
uh, who are, are attacking Jerusalem, that God will protect his nation. Those who respect Israel, who mourn when she mourns, who rejoice when she rejoices, those nations, those peoples are pleasing to God. And if we respond otherwise to the plight of the Jews, uh, we risk incurring the wrath of God. As it fell on these nations in Ezekiel's day, it could fall on the nations in our day as well. So the Lord says he does all these things to demonstrate that he is the Lord to these peoples. He will make those to oppose his people into testimonies one way or another about his power and his authority. He wants, to, he wants the world to know that he is the one true God and he is the God of Israel. So let, the, let us be testimonies of obedience to his word by the way that we love the Jewish people uh, rather than as testimonies of God's wrath for those who despise them and celebrate when they're, when they're down. And that's, that's the message I have for you this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help it to give us uh, clarity in, in our vision of your plan. And, and all of these things that are happening in the world today, just like was happening in the days of Ezekiel and Jeremiah. You want the world to know that you are God. And help us to be witnesses and ambassadors of that message, that, that you are God, that you promised to, to establish your kingdom forever. Uh, the millennial kingdom is coming, we know it. The, the difficulties and tribulations that the world will go through before that comes are coming, and we know it. We see your hand at work in this world, painting a clear picture, all of these things that, that just reveal who you are, uh, are, are happening just as you promised and said these, these things would happen. As we get further into this book, we will see clearer and clearer your, your plan for the future. So just help us to be willing to listen and, and willing to stand up for, for what is right, what is true, and what is right. Help us to be obedient with our whole hearts. Help us to be obedient to you. In Christ's name I pray.